All right, guys, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn your Bibles to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. Revelation chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13. We're going to continue on. We're, we're about halfway through our series right now concerning the end, the coming storm, understanding things about the end. And I just want to remind you why we're doing this, and especially today, it's going to come out why we need to do this. We're doing this because we live in an age where we're seeing crazy things happening around the world. And we're seeing things we never thought would happen even in our own country or, or what we think should happen or not happening. We, we, and it's real easy to get worked up, especially when you see the wars and rumors of wars and the natural disasters and things happening politically and not politically, societally and, and everything. And we're like, man, this is it. This is it. And you have people coming and telling you crazy things like you're living in the tribulation right now. You'll hear people say that, or you'll have people saying to you, this, Jesus is coming tomorrow, and don't do this, because you're going to take this, and, and, and you're like, how do I decipher all of that in my mind? And it's because you and I need to have a deeper understanding of what the Scripture teaches. So that's what we're doing this series about. I'm not giving you an in-depth study. To be honest with you, if we did an in-depth study, it would take months but what I want to do is give you some basics to help you about what's coming. Why? Well, I've recognized this here in the last 10 years. There, there is a problem with many Christians today. So let me, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. So I, in April of this year, I will have been a believer 39 years. I came to Christ in 1985, uh, so it'll be 39 years in April. Now, when I went to that little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina, it was a church about our size, okay? And, but one of the things that amazed me was how everybody there, no matter their age, from young to old, had a basic understanding of the Bible so that they knew basic things about salvation, they knew basic things about prayer, they knew basic things about Bible reading, they knew basic things about when Jesus was coming back. There was a biblical literacy among them. They understood their Bibles, they read their Bibles. And folks, I was in a church where they were using King James, okay? They read their Bibles. Now, let's fast forward now almost 40 years. What I find is, is that most people don't know their Bibles. Most people don't read their Bibles. Most people can't handle basic questions about anything. There, there's a biblical illiteracy that's happening in our church. And, and, and it's kind of crazy to me because in our nation, you can find a Bible anywhere. I mean, you can get, I've, we've been pushing this with you, you can get the Bible app and there are more Bible translations than you can shake a stick at on here. And, and it, it's there. If you want some kind of slang language, they got a Bible version for that, I'm sure. But I'm just telling you, we've got it, but we don't know it. And when it comes to talking about the end, 
We really don't know it. We don't really know what the Bible says. So then when somebody comes along and says something crazy, instead of just maybe outright dismissing it, like that's not true because this is what the Scripture says, we entertain it for a moment. And that's not good. It's not good at all. So I want to make two points here. All right? So the first one I've kind of talked about a little bit is there is a lack of understanding concerning the basics of the end times. There's a lack of understanding. Most people know Jesus is coming back, although some aren't sure. Some will tell you he's already come. Most people understand that there's an antichrist, and that's what they focus on. It's focusing all their time, trying to figure out who he is. Most people, though, don't have any clue about when that final seven years of judgment will begin. They don't know that the Scripture teaches when that will happen. They don't really have a basic understanding. Why? Well, here's my second point. Interpretations about the end have supplanted, have supplanted the Scriptures themselves. This is the problem. Most people know an interpretation. They don't know what the Bible says. They know what somebody said. They even maybe don't even know the guy who said it, but they know the interpretation more than what the Bible says. I'll give you an example. This was very evident just here a couple of years ago when the vaccine came out. I'm not going to talk about whether or not there should be a vaccine, whether or not you should have a vaccine, but what I am going to talk about is when somebody makes a bad biblical point. So when the vaccine came out, and there were people saying, take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine, I was really concerned because there was a very tiny segment of North American Christianity that was telling you, maybe you've heard this, that if you take the vaccine, you are taking the mark of the beast because they are giving you, are you ready for this, a microchip in your arm. How many of you heard that? Okay? You know what the problem with that is? Can I tell you what the problem is? It's not about the vaccine. Forget that issue. It's that you don't understand what the Bible teaches about the mark. And that you have taken an interpretation about the mark and made it bigger than what the Scripture says. So that now, because most people don't know what the Scripture says, they say, oh, yeah, it is. That's I don't want to do that. That's just one example. We allow our interpretations to supplant what the Scripture says. Why do we do that? Because we're biblically illiterate. Here's the second one. We're going to talk about this as well. Typically, when we talk about the end, and we talk about the Antichrist, what we forget is, is that his appearance is at the, his prominence. When it talks about his appearance, it's not that he just all of a sudden shows up out of nowhere. He becomes prominent during the seven years, the final week, the 70th week of Daniel, which starts when this leader makes a peace treaty with Israel. Now, 
Typically, that's, we don't know when he shows up, but all we talk about is who he is and who he might be, but we're forgetting he's not the only guy who shows up. There is somebody else who shows up as well during this seven-year period. I never hear anybody talk about him. I never hear anybody even try to identify him, which probably is good. Don't try to identify him. You're not going to know who he is until later. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we forget things. Why? Because we don't know what the Bible teaches. So today, I'm going to talk about the forgotten realities. Or maybe I should say, for some, the unknown realities. For some, it's forgotten, because we have studied it, and we know, but we've forgotten the basics. And it's two things, and I've kind of alluded to them. We're going to talk about the false prophet, and we're going to talk about the mark. And what I'm hoping is, is you don't allow your interpretation that you heard somebody say, be your guide, you'll allow this, the scripture. Why? Because if you're not careful, you'll end up buying crazy things. Like, okay, I have a little book I keep in my library. It's from 1988. It was a really big seller in Christian circles in 1988. Would you like to know what the title is? Okay. 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Could Be in 1988. I guess we know that one's not true. It was followed by the next bestseller, 89 Reasons Why It'll Be 1989. You're kidding me, George. No, I'm serious. The guy tried it one more time, and people bought the book, okay? After this one, when it didn't happen, he was interviewed by a paper, and he said, I gave it my best shot. No, you just confused the heck out of a lot of Christians. That's what you did. And it was a big seller. Why? Because people were biblically illiterate and they didn't know their Bibles. And the reality is, there were certain things that the Bible tells us. Like, can I tell you the big one? Jesus said, the end will not come till the tribes of this world, the races of this world, hear the gospel. There are 5,000 people groups yet to hear the gospel, folks. Half of them are Muslim. Nobody talks about that. We've got a job to do. We've got to evangelize. But that just shows we don't know our what? Our Bibles. So let's talk about the forgotten realities. Let's start off, we're going to see them both in eight verses in Revelation. Look with me, chapter 13 of Revelation. This is where he's mentioned. This is prominently where he's mentioned. He's mentioned one other, one other time in the book of Revelation, and that's where this guy gets cast into the lake of fire, okay? So let's look at what it says there. Again, he's known as the, a beast. I saw another beast rising out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. It exercises all authority of the first beast in its presence and makes the earth inhabitants to worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. 
It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. And by the signs that it is, that it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives those who dwell on the earth, telling them to make an image of the beast that is wounded by the sword and yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast, so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the image of the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all, both small and great, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or the forehead. Marked on the right hand or the forehead. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. All right, folks, let's take some time and talk about these forgotten realities. I'm going to break it into two sections. I'm going to talk first of all about the false prophet, and then I'm going to talk about the mark. And hopefully today you and I will gain an understanding about something that's going to take place in the future in that final seven years, and you'll know what the scripture teaches so that you can answer in your mind when somebody gives you something crazy, okay? Like, don't take that shot, you're getting a chip. Well, you just read the Bible. Are they giving the vaccine in your head or your hand? No, it's in your arm, right? I should tell you right there, right? The point is, you've got to know what the Bible says. All right, so let's talk about it. First of all, the false prophet. So here's what I want you to know. The first thing I want you to see is, we've already looked at it, is that this evil person will emerge in prominence during the 70th week. Don't spend your time trying to figure out who he is right now, okay? Don't, don't sit there and say, well, I think it's this guy, and I'm looking at this guy here. He seems to have influence, and... Don't, don't spend your time. Don't waste your time. It is just a waste of energy. It is a distraction from what's most important. What's most important right now, folks? You growing closer to the Lord, you telling others about Jesus. You focus your attention trying to identify a guy, you're just crippling yourself spiritually. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Why? Because this guy emerges when? That final seven years period. That's, that's the thing. He's, he's a prominent guy who raises the prominence in that 70th week. Here's the second thing I want you to understand, and this will help us. We need to recognize the Old Testament parallel to the false prophet. To understand who this guy is and what his role is, you need to understand the Old Testament parallel. What is it? Moses. The Old Testament parallel is Moses. Okay, so to go all the way over to Exodus chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, God has just met him in a burning bush and told Moses to go to Pharaoh as his spokesman. 
as his representative and do these great signs. What signs? Turning the Nile into blood, putting, a, putting his staff down and it becoming a snake, putting his hand into his chest and seeing you know, it becoming leprosy. He's supposed to do all of these signs to show how great God is, right? So look at what it says in Exodus. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out? And he said, but I will be with you and this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you that when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. That's the call of Moses, to be his spokesman. Folks, to understand the false prophet, he's not just some kind of religious leader. So don't sit there and try to figure out, maybe it's the Dalai Lama or maybe it's this. Don't, don't go there. This guy is the spokesman for the false Christ, the Antichrist, the false Messiah. Because remember, we already know earlier, what does the false Messiah, the Antichrist, think about himself? Who does he think he is? Anybody? I hear murmurs. God, right? So here is the God... It's a, a false representation of what's true. So he has this prophet, like Moses, who convinces the people of the greatness of the beast, of the Antichrist, that false Messiah, because he does signs, not by his own power, but by whose power? Satan's power, to convince the world at the time of how great this leader is. So we got to recognize the Old Testament parallel to the false prophet. Here's the third thing I want you to see about it. The primary task of the false prophet, here's the primary task, is to promote the adoration of the Antichrist. Now, a lot of folks will just simply say, oh, well, he's just a religious leader. No, 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 no you don't understand. It doesn't have to be a religious leader. You don't have to believe anything to adore and worship the Antichrist. It's not that you're all of a sudden becoming the Church of the Antichrist member. It's that you think that this guy is the greatest and there's no one else. Do you understand? We do that all the time. What do you mean? Think about some sports team that you like, and it's got some superstar guy who's a running back or a quarterback or, or a superstar athlete who, who's a center or whatever on a basketball team or, or some pitcher or whatever. And, and don't you know, sometimes when we talk to our friends, they adore these people. They buy their jerseys. They think they're it. And if they don't have them, then their team is nothing. What is that? It's adoration of them, right? Can I tell you what else it is? We don't like to say this. It's not a religious thing. It's called worship. It doesn't have to be religious. What the focus of this guy, his primary responsibility is to get the world to what? Adore the beast. To adore this antichrist, this false messiah to get them to believe in him, to put their trust in him. And so it tells you certain specific things that he'll do, like make an image of him, 
cause this image to speak so that people will talk about, oh, how great is this leader? That's his task. But it's not only his task. He's obviously got some sort of political power because he's supposed to solve problems, whatever the problem might be. So what he does is, and this is where we're going to get into, he institutes, this is the second forgotten reality, he institutes a mark. So we're going to talk about the mark of the beast now, okay? So when we talk about the mark of the beast, here's the first thing I want you to know, is that our understanding cannot be guided by interpretations or superstitions, so when we talk about this section, which is verse 16 through 18, three verses, you can't allow somebody's interpretation or somebody's superstition to guide you. I'll give you two examples. First of all, don't waste your time when somebody puts out in Christian news that they figured out that it's a chip. Can I tell you, 40 years ago, they thought it was a barcode. And that what we were going to receive is a tattoo on our forehead. And they had pictures of this. Pictures, cartoon pictures of people walking around with a barcode on their forehead. Maybe you've seen some of them, I have. Or a barcode on their hand. It's not a barcode. It's not a chip, folks. I don't know what it is. But it's a mark. That's one example. The other example is superstition. Now, you probably have experienced this. I experience this all the time. I go to Walmart. I make my purchase. I do self-checkout now. But when I made my purchase with a clerk, the total would come up to $6.66. And I've had clerks literally say to me, why don't you grab a candy bar so you don't get unlucky? I'm okay, I don't need that candy bar. It's not going to bother me. Why? Because I understand what the mark is. It isn't $6.60 on your receipt. I saw a car drive by the other day with three numbers, 666, and I had some letters in front of it, and I thought to myself, that guy probably gets a lot of grief because he's driving around with what some people think is the mark. No, he's just driving around with his license tag. Don't let superstition guide your understanding. Don't let somebody's in crazy interpretation because you don't know. Why? Because it takes place when, folks? When does this mark take place? In the 70th week. In the 70th week. Do you understand? So don't do that. So what do we do then? Here's what I want you to see. The mark will be instituted by this false prophet during the 70th week. I already told you that. Why? This mark, here's the final thing, will be willingly received by the Antichrist followers. This is what you need to understand. This is the thing that irritated me about people saying that the vaccine was the mark of the beast. If you were to ask the average person, do they want to receive the mark of the beast today, they would probably tell you what? No, there might be some weirdo that says, yeah, bring it on. You know what I'm saying? But most people have some basic understanding. They would say they don't want it. When you talk about receiving a vaccine, you're doing that for public health reasons, for whatever you feel about that. People 
if you told them that they're secretly giving you, that's not them willingly receiving it, is it? So again, it's not it. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. When you talk about the mark, what's the job of the, anti, of the false prophet? Is to create adoration. Worship. So he's got these followers who believe everything that the, that the first beast, the Antichrist, is saying and his solution to the problem. He institute this, institutes this mark and they willingly do it. Why? Because the text tells you the purpose of the mark. Anybody know what the purpose of the mark is? What does it say? Oh, Mike said it in the back. Buy and sell. Now, why would that be an issue? Well, remember, I told you when we talked about the four horsemen, the third horseman is what? Economic collapse. When the economic systems of the world collapse. So here's the great leader. He's got to institute a new system. Do you think people will be willing to accept it? Yeah, especially if they think he's the brain power behind everything, right? So they'll take it willingly. Willingly. Okay, so George, okay, so you've given me a basic understanding. All right, what do I do with this? Okay, because we're back to the same question like, okay, false prophet and beast, I understand that. What does that mean for me today? All right, so this is where I want to end up. I want to end up with two things that I talked about at the very beginning. I told you in the very beginning there's a lack of understanding. So here's the first one. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. That's the first thing. Know what the Bible teaches. How do I know what the Bible teaches? You read it, and you've got the greatest teacher who will help you, the Spirit of God, who will illuminate it for you. So read it. Don't make it, you know, I, used to, I was driving one time, going to Grampian, I was driving along the road, and I saw a guy, and I saw that he had his Bible in the back, and I said, oh, that's cool, he put his Bible back there after church or something. But then as I got closer to him, because he was stopping to go up the Greenville Pike, I noticed there was like two to three inches of dust on his Bible in his back window, which kind of told me he's not using that one. It's not a shelf ornament or a coffee table thing. It's not just an app that takes space on your phone that you don't use. Use it. Use your Bible. Why? So that you can test what people are telling you. So that you understand when somebody comes along and says, don't do that, that's the mark. Or, man, do you want to buy a candy bar? Because it's $6.60 or whatever. Don't, don't, don't. You can say it and say, I'm okay. Why? Because you know what the Bible teaches. Because you've read it yourself. Here's the second thing. Hold on loosely to people's interpretations. Interpretations are like armpits. Everybody has one, and sometimes they stink. That's just reality. Hold on loosely. Why? Because I told you, 40 years ago, the mark was what? A barcode. 
40 years later, it's a chip. And by the way, don't do it. If you search that, you'll find lots of videos with people trying to explain that to you on YouTube. Don't waste your time. Because why? It's something that will be instituted in that 70th week for a purpose. But right now, hold on to them loosely, but focus where you need to focus. What? Your relationship with Jesus and the job he gave us to do, which is what? Tell others about Christ. Don't fall into the trap, folks because it will cripple you. Let me pray for you.